Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well-suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking my quiz, and you can find the quiz right on the homepage of my website, sumatisparks.com. That's S as in Sam, U, M as in Mary, T as in Tom, I'm sorry, A, T as in Tom, I, Sumati, S-U-M-A-T-I, Sparks, as in Sparks are flying. And when you request the quiz, you'll be automatically added to my mailing list, and you'll be the first to learn about my virtual events and to receive occasional helpful tidbits of advice and information to add more love, passion, and joy into your life. So today, I'm super excited to have as my guests, partners Beth Stevens and Annie Sprinkle. Together, they've created multimedia art projects about love, sex, and queer ecologies since 2002. Annie is a world-renowned feminist performance artist and sex educator, and Beth is a professor of sculpture and intermedia at UC Santa Cruz, where she directs the Earth Lab. Welcome to the show, Beth and Annie. Thank you so much, Sumati. We're excited to be here. Hi, this so is Annie. I have the gravelly voice. And Beth oh, yeah, you said you had me at tea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll forgive you. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking some time out on your book tour to be on Leading Edge Love. And so you've probably been talking a lot, but I'm really grateful that you're here. And so I know that you're out promoting your new book called Assuming the, Sex- Assuming the Eco-Sexual Position, The Earth as Lover. So my first question for you is, how did you come to start the eco... Yeah, this is a big question, but we're going to start big. How did you come to start the eco-sexual movement, and why do we want to think of the earth as lover? Well, it's really quite simple. We married the earth in 2008, and we fell madly and wildly in love with the earth, And we thought, wow, you know, after we took vows to love, honor, and cherish the earth until death brings us closer together forever, we thought, what are we? And we, the only term we could come up with or that we could find that described what we were feeling was the term ecosexual. The wedding was an art project because we're basically artists. And we were doing a series of weddings to try to generate love and explore love. Because both of us had done a lot of art projects about sex. And then when we fell in love, we're like, we have to reclaim this from Hallmark. This is good stuff. And, yeah, it's uh, been quite an adventure. We've been together almost 20 years, and we work together all the time. Wow. And so why, why, like, tell people why they would want to think of the earth as lover. Well, the earth as mother metaphor has really been the predominant metaphor in thinking about the earth for centuries. And many, many people, you know, um, use that metaphor, earth as mother, to think about the earth as a, an entity that takes care of us, that gives to us no matter what, that you know, we'll always do our laundry, it will always pick up for us, it will always forgive us. Well, um, as we're seeing, you know, from some of the uh, climate reports and things like that, the earth is um, uh, having some trouble. And we were thinking in 2008 that, you know, that there were a lot of environmental problems, and we were thinking maybe we should take care of the earth. And 
you know, um, in some cultures, people do take take care of their mothers, but, um, you know, we tend to take more care of our lovers. And so that's how we came up with the earth is lover metaphor, uh, in that we need to take care of the earth and we need to respect the earth and love the earth and, you know, try to pamper the earth so that the things that we need for life um, don't get destroyed. We're also very much pleasure activists, and we I've been a sex educator for a long time, and I, I like people to have uh, lots of sensual, sexual fun and, and joy and satisfaction. So being eco-sexual opens up whole new possibilities Sumati, uh, we've been interested in talking to you because we've never really talked about it from specifically from kind of a poly relationship aspect. We call ourselves pollen amorous. I <laughs> love that. That was hilarious. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of a play. But we, we like to use a lot of humor, and we taught teach eco-sex workshops, and they're really fun. And we make love to the earth through our senses, through smelling, touching, tasting, uh, listening. Um, it's kind of a mindfulness approach to more pleasure. Yes, I feel you. I mean, I, and really because of your movement, I noticed more what, what was always there that I never brought consciousness to. Like I'm in Maui and I jump into these silky ocean waters and the, the ocean just makes love to me. You know, it just envelops my whole entire body and I can really experience it as making love with the ocean because of the way that you've invited us all to frame it. Well, the ocean is one of the most loving features. I mean, of course, you know, we can die in the ocean too. But when Mm -hmm. the ocean's being kind to us, it is one of the most loving features of the earth. And it's warm and salty and wet and just uh, so (laughs) sensual. And I think, I mean, you know, you're in Hawaii, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you can, if you can, if, you know, if your viewers or if people listening to this show can rearrange the frame through which they see the earth, and can kind of adopt a, an attitude of play and an attitude of joy. Um, you know, the earth is um, is something that we need to, it's our beloved. And without it, we're going to be in really, um, you know, seriously hot water, to use another metaphor, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, also listeners should really consider the fact that this really is a conceptual art project. I mean, we know that, uh, people who, uh, you know, have had to survive out in the world. We're we're at my family's house in West Virginia right now, and we always sneak downstairs into my sister's basement and watch shows like Naked and Afraid or things like that. I mean, uh-huh. we know that the earth can be a cruel lover, and there's no safe word. But when we're having fun with the earth, I mean, for instance, today I was able to go swimming in the rain, and it was just so sensual, you know, to think about being in the water with the the clouds kind of spraying down on me, and um, it was just delicious. Wonderful. I, I like getting... Uh, Sorry, go ahead, Annie. Oh, I like... We did a workshop once, and we were all um, with our eco-sexual gaze on, which just means eroticizing everything, basically, and we were kneeling uh, on the beach... And the ocean waves were just the right height to 
spank our butts and uh, <laughs> roll us around. And it was really incredible. Like the ocean was our lover in that moment. Maui is a super eco-sexy place. I'm envious that you could be there right now. Of course, West Virginia is beautiful too, which is where we are right now, where Beth is from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there's so many different places. Like I know when I go hiking in like, you know, the Rocky Mountains or the Sierras or something, and you're in that dry heat with the high elevation, I just want to take off all my clothes and let the sun kiss me because you feel like you're so close to the sun up there. <laughs> well, Sumatra, it sounds like you're an ecosexual. <laughs> I think I am, but I just didn't know it. Like I said, I didn't have the frame for it. I remember like, God, 30 years ago I was hiking in Colorado and I was all alone and I just wanted to lay down on these big rocks and masturbate. <laughs> I thought I was, mm-hmm. you know, so naughty, but now I realize I was just inspired by the the beauty and the warmth of the high, high elevation mountains. <laughs> we found that most people, when they start thinking about it, have had their best sexual experiences outside. True. And often some of our first sexual experiences happen outside because we're living yeah. with our parents. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so, um, but like we teach ecstatic breathing, for example, eco-sexual breathing, we call it. You can do it inside in the living room on the floor or on a couch or bed. But if you take it outside, it's 10, 20 times more powerful looking mm-hmm. inside, letting the sun rays penetrate your pores with the air we breathe, penetrate our lungs. Uh, we just like to roticize everything, and it's just fun and sexy. And as far as you asked about the ecosexual movement, uh, we did not invent the term ecosex. It was kind of a dating term that was floating around. Mm. But we did create a manifesto, go sexual manifesto, and we also defined it and expanded on the definition of how it was used to include imagining the earth as a lover, which wasn't part of what people were talking about. So we've done this ecosex research now for a long time through teaching symposiums and workshops and talking about it with people and taking up people on eco-sexual walking tours and just kind of threw ourselves into it. And it's just been really interesting. Taken off. Yeah. Uh, Annie, can I ask you just to back off from the microphone a little bit? Your keys are popping. (laughs) Okay. And then Beth, I I heard you say um, that there's no safe word with the earth. Can you, can you explain what you meant by that? Well, if, for instance, in the northwest and also in the northeast right now, we just drove cross country from California to West Virginia. It is really hot out there right now. We're experiencing, um, you know, all kinds of record-breaking heat. And Mm -hmm. we can't just say, dear Earth, we love you, please stop. I mean, Uh, you know, and and these these kinds of of, um, heat waves are being connected to, Things like driving cross country, you know, car, car, you know, burning carbon, um, 
uh, all of the things that we've been doing as human beings that are causing climate change. And climate change really is being proven to be a human-caused problem. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. also being outside can be very dangerous. I used to ride horses a lot. And Mm -hmm. um, I've been kicked and bitten and bucked off and run over. And, I mean, uh, the sort of excitement of being on the horse was always worth it. But I'm very lucky I was never seriously hurt or killed. I mean, I've had bones broken and things like that. But Mm -hmm. So if you're really dedicated to being part of being part of nature and we consider human beings to be part of not separate from nature and -hmm. if you're really dedicated to being outdoors sometimes things happen and there really isn't a safe word you're just part of it and you have to ride that wave and if you're lucky and skilled you know you return to your to your life and if not well sometimes things happen that's hurricanes floods flash floods uh, lightning strikes yeah, those are all. I mean, yeah, and the, the, the Maui the Maui Ocean swallows up probably one tourist every week here. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, one has to be smart, but the same is true with making love with with human beings, right? One has to learn the skills that allow mm-hmm. you to be a good lover, and we have mm-hmm. a lot to learn as human beings about how to be a good lover with the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to, we need to start. You know, we need to start relying on different kinds of, of ways to keep ourselves warm or to light up our houses at night, um, mm-hmm. ways that don't harm the earth. And that's also an eco-sexual practice. It's really, this is an environmental movement, too, as well as an mm-hmm. art practice, as well as a sensuality practice. And sex mm-hmm. education. And sex education, mm-hmm. too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can't be se- you can't be selfish if you're going to be a good lover. You have to be right. generous and giving and think about the you know the consequences and you have to reciprocate with your partner. Mhm. Exactly. You can't just be all um, take take take. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so when we think about different ways to um share like different ways to have less impact on the earth right now with fossil fuels, um sharing our resources is a really big way to do that conserving like all the individual separate homes if we just maybe go spend the night at someone else's house occasionally then we're using half as much power right <laughs> yeah save water shower with a friend exactly yeah. or if you're cold put on a body <laughs> exactly or if you're going somewhere walk or ride a bike right exactly Most so, of those um, things allow your genitals to rub together <laughs> Oh, yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Beth, can you tell me a little bit about what the Earth Lab is where you work? Well, yes. Um, I am a professor at UC Santa Cruz, which is a university in California. It's part of the UC, University of California system. And within my university at UC Santa Cruz, um, well, within my department, which is the art department, I have a center called the Earth Lab. And the Earth Lab is a sort of hotbed of um, uh, intellectual activity, artistic activity, uh, performance activity. And Earth stands for Environmental Art Research Theory and Happening. So that's E-A-R-T-H. Mm-hmm. And it's a place where I can come together with students and other faculty and scholars from around the world to explore ideas that, you know, I don't necessarily explore in my classes, right? These are things that are beyond the grading system or 
um, you know, really the kind of uh, structures of the of the university itself. It's not part of the curriculum. It's part of my own research and curiosity, and mm-hmm. Annie's research and curiosity. And the students, you know, if they want to learn about something like soil or water or um, fire now, we're really looking at fire, they can do these projects at the Earth Lab, and we get extra, you know, outside of the university funding um, to center where we can really explore things beyond the university, but within the university, too, because, you know, of course, the university is a wonderful structure and provides us with infrastructure like buildings and rooms and other kinds of resources that we can use, but uh, it's a really exciting learning center. It's also a very sex-positive place for students where they can explore sex, sexuality outside the box and in our projects. Well, and in relationship to the earth. So, and the other new news, I mean, this is really hot off the press, is that I have started a new nonprofit, and it's called Earth Lab SF. So that's based in San Francisco. And we'll be taking some of our um, methods and uh, projects up to San Francisco and kind of, you know, develop them there and um, present them there as well because the Earth Lab is also an art presentation uh, place. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're pretty proud of that. Cool. By the way, today a huge article uh, about us and at work came out on CNN. Uh, online on homepage. Oh, oh so fantastic. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So we're getting a lot of interest in that is so great. these ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what was so really I'm, nice about that article, or one of the things that was really nice, it was called The Ecosexuals Hosting Joyful Weddings to the Earth. And it really, mm-hmm. it really looked at our project of marrying different nature entities since 2008. We married the earth, we married the sea, we married the Appalachian Mountains, we married rocks in Spain, coal. I mean, we've married all kinds of nature entities. Mm-hmm. But it also, you know, brought up our book, Assuming the Ecosexual Position, and it talked about the Earth Lab. And it really made us realize that we have created a sort of not sort of, we've created a large-scale movement that mm-hmm. um, is now being recognized around the world, and it's really exciting to see that mm-hmm. people want to engage joy, they want to engage creativity, and they want to try to figure out other ways to try to change the kind of uh, narrative of, of humans destroying the earth. So mm-hmm. how do we live in, you know, in joyful relation with the earth? And I think this is a super important question. Also, we'd like to say when the earth is your lover, you always have a lover. You're never right. alone. And there's right. a lot of love to be received and also a lot of love you can give. A lot of people are overflowing with love. <clears throat> For example, a lot of people masturbate with water. <laughs> uh and people use water to pleasure themselves, but how many people actually take a moment to thank the water, to love the water, and appreciate it back and give it the water some love? And our bodies are actually mostly water, like a huge mm-hmm. percentage. So we're actually, when we're having sex with someone, a human, we're actually having sex with a lot of water and minerals mm-hmm. and stardust and other kinds of 
creatures and bacteria and things like that. So as ecosexuals, we like to think about where does our body start and end? Is it with the biome cloud or the skin or, and, and, well, and how are we in similar relationship to the earth? Instead of focusing on our differences to keep us separate from, we really mm. do look at our similarities to create these relationships where we are part of. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I love how, like, I, I told um, Beth and Annie before we started, officially started the show, that I have their poster um, that's hanging on my wall. And so I highly recommend uh, the you can give us your website in a second, but I highly recommend you get this poster. It's really amazing. And can you repeat again the line about until death, was it until death brings us closer together? Is that, is that how you said it? Yeah. I promise to love, love you until death brings us closer, closer together, together forever. forever. That was oh, part of our that. vow to oh, when we married oh. the earth, and that's the 25th way to make love to the earth. And we uh-huh. promise to love, honor, and cherish you, Earth, until death brings us yeah. closer together forever. That's what, that was our vows we, we made to the Earth in 2008. And it was like we said, it was an art project, but it actually really changed us and made us, our love grow and made us care about you know, the non-human realms. Why do we only fantasize about people why can't we fantasize about a rock or a cloud we can we can if we let ourselves of course it's all a bit of a taboo and sex negative people think it's shameful to press your whole body against a tree they're finally killing trees that lordy don't press your whole body against a tree you know but it's almost even more than that I mean, we are always surrounded by the pressure of the air and, the, you know, the moisture in the atmosphere. We're always being held by gravity. And these are things that we don't consider when we're making love to another person. We are always part of the earth, and the other person is always part of the earth, too. So it's not so much about using water to pleasure ourselves. We are water. And so how do mm-hmm. we activate the water in our own body to meet the water in an ocean or in a river or in another person. I mean, these are the, these are the questions we're raising. And we don't well, yeah, have answers. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're totally reframing the dominant cultural narrative around Earth as something to exploit. And also your metaphor uh, for, you know, polyamory is really, like, we really do love, we really do love the ocean as much as we love the mountains. They're they're so different from one another. And it's not like we love one more than the, maybe some people might love one more than the other, but we have as much love for, you know, the beauty of a sunset as we do the beauty of a sunrise. So it's, it's a beautiful metaphor for polyamory to show that like when our hearts are open and we can really love fully, um, there's enough, you know? So I love how your metaphor really goes with polyamory and, changes that whole narrative around the earth is something for us to use for exploitation, which the dominant narrative also goes to usually, you know, female identified bodies they use for exploitation. So it's, it really shifts all that narrative around. I'm sure you've thought of that already. <laughs> well, and we, um, you know, we, we use the term polynamorous 
Uh-huh. So we're referring to the pollinating insects to go around to all the plants and just try to uh, spread the love. Yeah. Uh-huh. We were talking about that earlier. But we do try not to exploit. I mean, we know that life depends on on our, you know, consuming food or, uh, the de- you know, we're trying to be vegetarian now and we're trying really not to kill animals to uh-huh. eat. But even mm-hmm. even eating vegetables, you're killing something. So we're really right. trying to think about, well, how can we make the least amount of impact mm-hmm. uh, on the earth? And how can we help the earth, you know, the most? And um, uh, it's a dance. It's an improvisational dance. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you bring up the, you know, the, the sunset. Uh, I have always used that metaphor with sex ed, uh, people can watch a sunset and be pretty oblivious and not very present and just be uncomfortable and bored. And it's the same with sex. Both aren't really focused and they're uncomfortable. They're not going to enjoy it. Whereas if you are sitting watching a sunset and you really throw yourself into the beauty and the mystery and you really breathe into it, you go into a kind of altered state, mm-hmm. that's what we mean by a mindfulness practice mm-hmm. uh, with eco-sex. It's how much do you want to put into it? How much do you want to roticize a flower? How much do you want to roticize uh, a a beautiful orchid. If you're making love with a person and you're next to an orchid, you know, why not include that orchid in your lovemaking with the person? Mm-hmm. It's a three-way mm-hmm. of sorts. So we just have fun with that. And another thing we have fun with is e-spots. We call them eco-sexy spots. Mm. We take, we go on walks and we go, ah, e-spot, e-spot, and we take groups of people on walks and share our e-spots. That just means something that's eco-sexy in some way. It could be Mm -hmm. a scent of lavender. It could be a grain of sand. It could be a view. Mm -hmm. Anything large or small, anything you find eco-sexy. A lot of people find trees, parts of trees, very erotic. Nature. Uh, there's lots of vaginas and penises all over on the walk. Yeah, look for them. Nature, mm-hmm. the non-human, as well as the human, uh, mimics uh, <laughs> human reproductive organs. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, a friend of mine started a thread on Facebook because she had just traveled all around the Southwest to all the national parks and was taking pictures of parts of rocks and trees that had, you know, yonis and lingams. And so she invited everybody to post their eco-sexual pictures. So we had a long thread of all these sexy pictures. <laughs> yeah. On Instagram, there's a lot of eco-sexual stuff. Oh, however, for us, we try to avoid the obvious references to genitalia. Right. Because eco-sex is also trying to we're trying to expand beyond the obvious genital focus. But sometimes it's just so much fun to do that. 
I mean, there are obvious things that are so fun and funny because really genitalia is funny. Shakespeare <laughs> nailed that yeah. when he was laughing at the double back, you know. Um, uh, sex is fun and it's funny and it's been made by institutions into this thing that's very serious and has all kinds of consequences. And of course it does, but it can also be the highest, deepest form of adult play. And so mm-hmm. we engage that in our um, ways of thinking and, and talking about and representing ecosex too. So I actually think it's fun to take pictures of lingams and yonis and uh, all kinds of things out in nature. We mm-hmm. had, we were involved in a, a film project called The One Minutes, and one person made love with a cactus. And I'll tell you, it was hair-raising and sexy and, oh, my oh. God, what's going to happen next, this little one-minute oh. film. Well, Which I would recommend looking at The One Minutes out of Holland if you ever get a chance. What's it called? The One Minute, and you spell it out, T-H-E-W, what, no, not W, O-N-E-M-I-N-U, however you spell it. Well, the the film is called Imagine the Earth is Your Lover. Okay. And it was produced by the One Minute, which is a production company that puts together one-minute films. We're on into a series. So there are 23 one-minute films in the series Imagine the Earth is Your Lover. Oh, yeah, it's showing at film festivals now, and we're actually having the U.S. premiere in a couple of weeks and at Franconia Sculpture Park at our book release party, but hopefully it'll get online one day. There's a trailer for it. If any of your listeners are in Minnesota, come on up to the Franconia Sculpture Park on September 1st, because that's going to be our big book release, and because okay, we published great. the book with the University of Minnesota. So assuming the mm-hmm. sexual position, The Earth is Lover, is published by the University of Minnesota Press. And we're also going to Colorado, and we're going to do an ecosexual walking tour as part of an exhibition. Um, we're marrying okay. brine shrimp in the Great Salt Lake. So if anyone awesome. wants to get married to the brine shrimp, we'll give you a mm-hmm. chance to have people... Um, get your contact information in a second, but I just want to let people oh, okay. know who, yeah, just let people know who joined the show late, that this is Leading Edge Love Radio, and I'm your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com, and we're speaking with partners Annie Sprinkle and Beth Stevens, who have really created quite a movement around ecosexuality, and I love when you guys, when, when you, you humans were talking about the e-spot, like, just so a spot in nature that um, you find erotic and not the obvious things that look like lingams and yonis, but like it could be a beautiful scent or a view or something. And I want to start like maybe a, a Facebook group or a thread or something for people to share that. I just feel really inspired by that. But if you have any questions, listeners, for Annie Sprinkle and or Beth Stevens, you're welcome to call in now. The call-in number is area code 657 383-1132. Again, that's 657-383-1132. And you won't interrupt us. You'll be put on hold and we'll just get to you as soon as the, there's a break in our conversation. Um, so you were talking about how sex and genitals are funny. And um, I wanted to ask you, like, what inspires your creativity and your incredible humor? Because I just love the way you play with words and humor. So what, how are you so 
inspired to do all this creative stuff? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> we, we get a kick out of each other. Inspired by other artists that whose humor we really like or other sex educators whose humor we like. We, the Fluxus art movement, which Yoko Ono was part of, the Surrealist art movement, there's a tradition of absurdity and humor and certain art movements. And those are the artists that Beth and I really like. We yeah. also like watching animals and watching rainstorms and watching uh, leaves falling off of trees, which also have a certain other kind of humor that is involved in nature's, you know, systemic change and uh, the way that, the, you know, there's summer, spring, fall, and winter, these these uh, cycles and these seasons. And in West Virginia here, I've been visiting some of my elder and not-so-elder relatives who are, who are one, one cousin of mine is dying. And I mean, um, it's very sad. We try to, we try to engage a range of emotions and a range of experiences. And, and I find that inspiring. Life itself is very inspiring. And we know that there's always an end. So I think that inspires us to be productive and be prolific. And, um, mm-hmm. yes, uh, well, we'd like to save the, the world. <laughs> we know mm-hmm. that's a fool's errand. <laughs> no. so we pull out all the stops. <laughs> we want people to be happier and kinder to each other. We want everyone to have more love and pleasure that wants to. And that's we also want to destroy capitalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are certain things that we feel don't work in our world, mm-hmm. racism, for example. Or, mm-hmm. So we're trying to be inclusive. We're trying to bring people together, build community. Which but we is- also know that scolding people does not bring out the best in the person being scolded or the scolder. And so how do you get people to embrace change or open their minds to see the world in a different way? Art is incredibly useful for doing that. And then the other mm-hmm. thing is humor. Mm-hmm. So that's try to engage humor so much. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. It's a political tool. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I used to do a lot of sex education, but I find there's a lot more freedom in art. So I've done like theater pieces, some solo, some with Beth. And uh, we've done uh, films. We actually have a website where people can see that work, which we'll share. But we are prolific. I mean, mm-hmm. it was so interesting reading the CNN article because we've we've done a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that we do inspire each other. I, I don't know. Annie and I have a, a chemistry, I can say myself, that I've never had with with anyone else. And... It's a chemistry that inspires creativity. It inspires talking to strangers. It inspires performing. And and these are the things that, that, I mean, it's deeply rooted in sex and sexuality. But if you look at the chakra system, for instance, sex and sexuality and the chakra for creativity are one in the same chakra. Right. Beautiful. So I'd love to hear how you two met. Like, what's your origin story of your relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, um, Beth first approached me to, I used to make these paintings with my breasts called pit prints. She still does (laughs) when we need money. (laughs) (laughs) 
one in an art show, and she was a student at Rutgers and a graduate show, and then we did a photo shoot. We stayed friends for about 10 years, and mm-hmm. Rutgers is in New Jersey, so we were on the East Coast. Fanny was in New York. I was in New Jersey, and Beth called me to do a photo shoot for her master's thesis project, and I was actually in the sex industry and making pin-up photos and porn and feminist porn and uh, Beth was an artist. So I was interested in working with artists because I really wanted to move more into art. Uh, Where I've actually been almost 50 years in uh, art about sex of all kinds. So we hit it off uh, as friends and then years later I was single, she was single. I was more into men for a long time. And we had both moved to California. I had become mm-hmm. a professor and she was she moved to California to be closer this is Beth. Annie moved to California to be closer to her family. And I mm-hmm. went and got a PhD in human sexuality and on my graduation night, ran into Beth at a poetry reading and asked her on a date. Well, actually, Ooh. I was flirting with her like crazy, and Annie didn't recognize that I was flirting because I was so subtle. <laughs> so our dear friend Joseph Kramer told Annie the next day that I had been flirting with her, and then Annie called me on a date. Then oh. we fell in love in first kiss. Uh, we had a big, long kiss on the first date, turned into three days of having sex, and I even went to therapy with her so that we wouldn't break our time together. On our first mm-hmm. date, I so had, had couple oh. therapy. <laughs> I, had a, I had an appointment already booked. I was like, uh, we got to get out of bed because I have a therapy appointment. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, okay, I'll, be, I'll come with you. <laughs> I think the therapist thought we were completely crazy and, uh, you know, already codependent, which we are. <laughs> So we learned everything we needed to know right off on the first date. And and I've been very happy, incredibly happy. And our love has grown from our doing, you know, working on ourselves to working on our having a great relationship. Then our love just grew into our community. We also did a wedding where we married our community. And Mm. that was in 2009, I think. And... It just kept growing to ginormous cosmic proportions, and I don't know what's next. Well, we are marrying Brian Shrimp next. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun. Well, thank you. That's a beautiful story. I love it. Go ahead, Jenny. Yeah, we, we just keep making projects. We're super, super excited about our new book, which is a love story. It chronicles how... Uh, yeah, our story, how we got together, and two artists in love, and all the things we do, and we offer tips on how to do your own eco-sexual weddings with your friends and communities, and how to collaborate. We love collaborating with other people, and I think that's one of the things that we excel at, is collaboration. Mm-hmm. And we try to mm-hmm. collaborate with the earth. Um, we try to explore different kinds of relationships. And relations. I was a city girl, so I felt very alienated from the non-human realm. I lived in L.A. and Manhattan, and I was very out of touch. Mm -hmm. So this has made me feel connected to the non-human realm. But I still can't get into bugs 
uh, certain kinds of uh, water bugs and beetles and things kind of freak me out. But other than that, that's my edge. <laughs> uh-huh. Other than that, yeah. I feel very connected because I was able to roticize. My relationship with my mom was a bit rocky as I was growing up. She was tough. So the earth's mother didn't really, wasn't a doorway for me. But when I realized that earth could be a lover, I was into sex and lovers and having lots of lovers. I had literally thousands of lovers over the course of my years, but my adult years. Um, so that opened the door. So eco-sex isn't for anyone, everyone, but if someone loves the earth, that's all it takes to consider yourself an ecosexual. You just love the earth. You mm-hmm. love the earth. That's ecosexual. It doesn't even mean you have to hug, hug a tree. <laughs> well, you can mm-hmm. also maintain all of your other sexual identities. Mm-hmm. You can be bisexual and ecosexual or uh-huh. heterosexual and ecosexual or queer and ecosexual. It's a, it's it's not an exclusive identity label you at all. asexual. You don't even have to be... It's just like you can identify as homosexual and not have a homosexual sexual experience. Uh-huh. Ecosex just can be whatever anyone wants to define it as. We we don't own the word. Uh-huh. Well, I love how you said that you enjoy collaborating with the earth. And it made me think about mm-hmm. right outside, you know how there's flowering trees in Hawaii? So. There's a flowering yeah. tree. There's a flowering tree right outside my apartment, and the pathway that comes into my apartment, um, when the tree, when the flowers are dying, the petals, like pink flower petals, are like raining down on my pathway to my to my wow. um, apartment door. So the whole path is just covered in fl- pink flower petals. I just couldn't believe it. This is a work of art. I, I got to do something with this. Uh-huh. So it just made me think of like, yeah. That's some. That's a collaboration right there. <laughs> well, sex and sexuality can happen through all the senses, through smell and through the eyes and through touch. We have a cherry tree that does that in our yard, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. just when it when it those those petals fall to the ground after the cherry tree has mm-hmm. shown us just glorious beauty, uh, mm-hmm. glorious beauty and aliveness and fecundity and. Just make, it just makes me so happy to look at this cherry tree, but then the petals fall, and they're, you know the flowers are dying, but they're still so beautiful. And well, there's yeah, a week uh, there we can just gorgeous. kind of revel in this, this blanketing of the earth with pinkness. I call right. it tree-gasm. <laughs> tree-gasm. Yeah, and, you know, death in nature is gorgeous. I mean, who doesn't love mm-hmm. all the fall colors, you know? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, a good teacher. Like yeah, definitely. Death is very, nature really celebrates death. <laughs> it does. It is an inspiration. Nature is an inspiration for life, our human life, and for death. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Cool. I mean, we become compost, and we always say compost is hot. Uh, <laughs> and water makes us that. wet. We, we uh-huh. have stickers. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, we Mm -hmm. have a poster, 25 Ways to Make Love to the Earth, and people can print it out from our website and hang it on their wall. And water makes us wet with the 
film that we finished last. It was in 2018. And mm-hmm. that film is up for free on our website, sprinklestevens.org. You can go see okay. that film for free until the end of this month. Okay. Then mm-hmm. it'll go great to the libraries. Yeah, mm-hmm. to Canopy, which is a public library and school library system platform. Cool. Uh, I heard you mention the name Joseph Kramer. Was he, did he create the body electric? He sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, so he I love how him. Yeah, so he yeah. um, kind of connected you guys, and you found your electricity with each other through him. <laughs> well, all three of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. He uh, he kept us really juicy throughout the the pandemic because he would come over and we would all mask up, and you know we had been being very responsible and safe, and we would all mask up, and he would give us massages, and it was so fabulous. Mm. Outside, outside outside in the redwood grove <laughs> mm. wonderful wow that's yeah. incredible yeah, we and love so, joe very much oh that's great so annie were, were you like one of the first people to get your phd from that school of human sexuality in san francisco did, that, did i see that in your bio no. somewhere no, no i wasn't one in the first cohorts. Um, uh-huh. I actually went later. Uh-huh. But um, no, it, was, it had been around a long time. It's called the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. Wardell uh-huh. Parmeroy, who made the was on the Kinsey Report, the dean for a while. It was. Uh-huh. It came out of Glide Church in San Francisco, and a lot of great people went there and a lot of clergy actually wow and, really uh, it was a very important kind of radical alternative kind of school they showed um sex explicit films and and mm-hmm. did uh had speakers who were you know sex workers or sex surrogates uh, speakers from different communities so it was around for a long time, and I'd met people who had gone there. Uh, and then finally, after many years, I decided I wanted to learn you know, a little different perspective on human sexuality, which was research, how to do research. And I did a dissertation, and I did a research project, and, and I learned about different things. I knew a lot about sex. And what was your dissertation on? Uh, it was called Providing Educational Opportunities for Sex Workers. It's oh. like uh, we developed a program for sex workers that wanted to stay sex workers. What would they want to learn? And I surveyed mm-hmm. 100 and came up with a program. But, uh, yeah, I wrote a lot of papers and did some work. But now uh, the institute is closed. And, oh, it is. Uh huh. And how yeah. did it come out of Glide Memorial Church? That's I didn't know that. How did how did that? Yeah, I didn't know that they had anything around sexuality there. Yeah, well, Glide's a pretty awesome place. It's a church I actually still go to when it's not quarantine. Right. Uh, it's the Church of Great Compassion, and they feed a thousand people a day, three times a day. It's an amazing place. Um, and it's in the Tenderloin, which is where all the jazz musicians and prostitutes and drag queens and trans people would hang out and be. So it's very inclusive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's 
it's still there. That's still there. Mm-hmm. And the Reverend was interested in having people learn about sexuality as part of the church. And then eventually he started the Institute. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that makes sense because of the population that was there in um, the Tenderloin. Because I remember going to Glide, like, maybe in the late 80s with the Cecil, the, the minister there. It's such a great place. Cecil Williams. Yeah, his yeah, wife, Janet. Yeah, I was always a little passed. bit, you know, oh, did his wife just pass away? Yeah. Uh-huh. Just like a couple of weeks ago, Janet Merrick and Tommy, who was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I remember going there for the first time, and somebody wanted me to come with them, and I was a little resistant because um, of the the masculine um, orientation of Christianity. So as soon as I walked in, they were singing a song, and the lyrics were really big on the screen, and they were singing, she's got the whole world in her hands. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm in the right place. <laughs> Right. They were very (laughs) inclusive in all ways. Oh, they were radical love artists. I went there there as a kid in the 60s. My parents actually took me. But, uh, yeah. And the rest is history. So, Well, we have about... We have about nine minutes left or so. And so I just want to make sure that you're sharing everything you want to share with our audience. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Well, we just want to remind everyone that we've got a new book out there called Assuming the Ecosexual Position, The Earth is Lover. And we also have a, 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 a comprehensive website, sprinklestevens.org, that you can find out all kinds of things about us. And that, that website is still being developed, but it's uh, a pretty robust uh, glimpse into our world. That's mm-hmm. Stevens with PH. Oh, and it's Sprinkle mm-hmm. Stevens. Did I say Stevens? It's sprinklestevens.org. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the book is uh, it is available on Amazon, but if you don't like Amazon, just ask the local bookstore or the University of Minnesota Press. Mm-hmm. And Great. We're very proud of it. Yeah. So we're, we're working on a new film. We got a Guggenheim grant. Uh, thanks to best grant writing skills to do a film about fire called playing with fire. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be interesting. And we're going to look at where the wildfires meet the social fires of this era. So oh, that what does that mean? A couple fires. of years. Well, the protests and the social, uh, yeah. uh-huh. you know, the fire in our lungs from the, from the, the pandemic and the fire on the street for people fighting for social justice which uh-huh. isn't too far away from environmental justice. So all of these right. things will be uh, folded together to create a very fiery film, I hope. <laughs> Ooh, well, beautiful. Yeah, fire and the uses of fire. And we can't forget marshmallows. No. <laughs> it's a campfire. <laughs> S'mores. <laughs> yeah, s'mores. <laughs> Are there any questions? Have you had any interesting experiences on your book tour? Well, we're having one right now. Matter of fact. <laughs> right. I mean, it's so interesting because we were in West Virginia and we had some book shows here. And, um, 
in West Virginia has a reputation for being kind of conservative, but I'll tell you, everyone wants to share our book with them. It's quite interesting. And I think that's one of the things that Annie and I are able to do is we can really transcend certain kinds of cultural differences and, and, and really try to find the places where we share similarities. And people in West Virginia really love the earth. I mean, they love going skinny dipping. They love going hunting. They love the fall colors and the beauty of the mountains. And that's something that we, we can all agree on, even if we're not agreeing on politics right now. So that's right. a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's been one surprising uh, occurrence. Right. Cool. Yeah. And then and how much sure. longer? How much longer will we be on our tour? On your tour, yeah. Mhm. We'll be getting back to California around the end of September. Mm-hmm. We have another month, and we're going yeah. to several states. Um, our calendars up on our website, sprinklestevens.org. We also have way too many old websites, so <laughs> you know, if you look for us, we might end up on the old ones, but. Um, as I said, we said the link to our last film, which showed at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, uh, called Water Makes Us Wet. Uh, people who love water, and who who doesn't? Who's who's not an aquaphile out there this spring? Uh-huh. Well, my mom's not. My mom doesn't like swimming, but she likes to drink water, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we and all like to drink it. water. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So. Uh, that film is a feature film, and it's an homage to water, about the pleasures and perils and politics of water. In California. Mm-hmm. It was a site-specific film. But it, yeah. everyone can relate to it, I think, if you like water. Uh, and so we go after Nestle, and it's a bit political. <laughs> That's good. Uh, you know, because uh-huh. the the Nestle's taking water and animal species are dying. Well, Nestle gets, has the right to the Arrowhead spring system for less than $500 a year, which you can mm-hmm. imagine how much they make from Arrowhead water. So yeah. it's actually infuriating. <laughs> they take all the water and the animals don't have enough. So well, maybe these are the people that live there. Yeah, so we're pretty pissed about that. So mm-hmm. but we try to... Um, I mean, we're, we're lovers, not fighters. So if we can get people to love animals more, water more, love our bodies more, take love the earth more, then we're that's all we want to do is yeah. is generate love, generate more pleasure. And we also support environmental activists. I mean, I think anger and protesting it really has a place in in change, changing things, but it also can create a certain kind of burnout that. Uh, we think that we can come in and, and alleviate some of that burnout with playfulness and joy and mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. And also, we're, uh, we like to say we're trying to make the environmental movement a little more sexy, fun, and diverse. But we're also trying mm-hmm. to expand the idea of what is sex because sex in our culture is usually generally focused, you have to have the right garter belt sex toys and watch the right porn or whatever. Well and it's becoming more and more reproductive by the moment. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we're we're we like to mix it up and experiment. We are very privileged, we're a very blessed job as a professor and and uh we're we have enough to eat and all that. 
we're very lucky. So we have the privilege of making these crazy-ass art projects, and we invite collaboration, and we just hope something we say or do will help someone somewhere or something. Or it'll save a tree or save a watershed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, I just love you what so you're much. doing. Yeah, especially just bringing that humor to it and bringing that lightness and teaching us all to expand our awareness around like what beauty and sensuality is around us all the time that we just take for granted. So thank you so much for your work. You've really made such a difference in the world already. And I see your new book taking that even further. So let's congratulate both of you you. for what you've contributed to our our planet. (laughs) And thank you for helping people with their relationships. Obviously being in relationship with good relationships with other people is, is really important. So thank you for your work. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Oh, thank you very much. This has been great. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we could so, be a counselor, an egosexual counselor, help people fix up their relationship, their polyamorous relationship with the earth. You can specialize in Maui. Well, you know, I love that. You've inspired me on three things. You inspired me about the e-spot, about the collaboration with earth, and now I'm already thinking about how I can bring nature into my coaching because I know a lot of people oh. bring nature into their business coaching. So uh-huh. why not? I'm going to do that now. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, we know sex workers uh, uh, who are actually offering people erotic experiences out in, in, in outside. You know, it doesn't all uh-huh. have to happen in a indoors well actually during pandemic times outside's the best place to be yeah that's always the best place to be but this is a good excuse (laughs) yeah go outside make love outside if you possibly can right and but you know what you don't even have to take off your clothes to have eco sex and no one in the park will know just get laid down on the earth and give it a hug and lick that grass and sniff that we call that grasslingus (laughs) (laughs) to sniff the soil and take a little soil on your tongue and and uh, cuddle that earth and, and press your genitals against the uh, ground. And, you know, you can have a whole orgy and no one even knows it's happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, you guys have been Thank you so much. And I wish Thank you all you. the best. Okay. Talk to you soon. Oh, you Bye-bye. too. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 So that was a lot of fun. So next week on Leading Edge Love Radio, I'll have as my guest, Anna Hirsch, and she is a compersion nerd and an amazing artist, um, how she uses her art of heart art. She makes little hearts that talk and teach you about how to have compassion. Compersion, which means um, that you feel happy when your partner's feeling happy. And her, she's sort of like a, a large community of sex positive people so her and her partner both have a lot of loves and she has really learned the art of compersion and can really teach it to people so please join us next week at 6 p.m pacific time 9 p.m eastern on leading edge love radio this has been your host good night everyone